Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I'm not sure if you know who A.W. Tozer, but he was a famous theologian, and he once wrote, here's what he wrote, attempting to reconcile God's sovereignty with man's free will. And he writes this, listen, quote, an ocean liner leaves New York bound for Liverpool. Its destination has been determined by proper authorities. Nothing can change it. This is at least the faint picture of sovereignty. On board the liner are scores of passengers. These are not, these are not in chains, nor are the activities determined by decree. They are completely free to move about as they will. They eat, sleep, play, lounge about on the deck, read, talk together as they please. But all the while, the great liner is carrying them steadily toward their predetermined port. Both freedom and sovereignty are present here as they do not contradict. A.W. Tozer goes on to say this, And so it is, I believe, with man's freedom and the sovereignty of God. The mighty liner of God's sovereign design keeps its steady course over the sea of history. End quote. And when I thought about that, I think, think about life for just a moment. Think about life, because we must all live in a world with the sovereignty of God as well as the free will choices of men. And that's kind of what we're seeing today. We're seeing the sovereignty of God. And just a few minutes ago, as, as Carrie was in my office, we were talking about God's sovereignty, and yet man chooses, and where we're going. And I thought about this. It's kind of like the ocean liner that A.W. Tozer writes, doesn't he? Life in this world contains both God's rule and reign, and the freedom, and man's freedom to choose. You go, well, give me an example. Well, God is on the throne with a specific destiny for each one of us. Can I get a good amen on that? Because that's what we're really needing. We're going, God, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. I'm not just randomly coming. I'm just not random. You have a plan. And everybody goes, yes, I want a plan and a purpose. I've told you my plan. I've told you my purpose. I, I finally figured it out. It was such a long time, but I know God gave me a dream and the dream that I was on a platform, whether it be the bed of the back of a truck or, or a, or a stage or whatever you want to call it, but, but to bring people into the kingdom, to use the gift. And I go, that's my purpose. But we all have that. We all have that specific destiny. Since the beginning of time, God has reigned supreme. He knows the beginning and the end, and he's always been working out his plan. You go, amen. Well, on the other hand, man has given, he's given man free will to live his life. Has he not? To choose whether or not to love and serve him. That was your choice. That's your choice. He does not force, listen, love is not forcing anything upon you. Love is free will. This is important to grasp because in life we'll often hear these words. 
we'll hear words like, why do bad things happen to good people? You'll hear that. Specifically from your friends and your family who may not know Jesus, they'll come and say, well, if God is all loving, if he's good, why did this happen? And let's be honest, we often ask that even amongst Christian circles. God, you are good, you are gracious, how could you allow this to happen? As we drive into Psalm 97, remember that God is the good shepherd and we are called to rejoice. You see, when we look at Psalm 97 verse 1, it seems easy enough. The Lord reigns, it says, let the earth rejoice. That's the beginning. And when we read it, we kind of read it and we move on without much thought. But if we were to take time to think through this, well, it really does raise some questions. Well, what do you mean? Well, think about this. If we're going to sit here and quote the word of God, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, well, what are some questions that have come up? Well, number one, we have to ask this. Does the Lord reign over terrorists who blow up innocent victims? Does he reign over the atrocities of war? And we see that even today. You see, every one of us in this room sat as we watched war take place in Ukraine. Is God sovereign? Does he rule and reign? Does he reign over floods, earthquakes, tornadoes, and other natural disasters that claim thousands of lives each year? Does he... Does the Lord reign over famine, starvation, and deadly diseases? Does the Lord reign over the loss of jobs and homes due to a bad economy? I guess we're fixing to find out. Does he reign over prolonged disease or an untimely death of a loved one? Does he reign over the tensions in your marriage or the struggle and the heartache of dealing with rebellious children? Does he reign over the relatively minor frustrating circumstances that we all faced last week? You see, the answer to those questions and many more is yes. Yes, the Lord still reigns. And he calls us to rejoice, to rejoice. That's the answer. But we need to do some work because, see, the word rejoice, if you're taking note, in the Hebrew, it's actually gahil, G-H-E-E-L. And here's what it means. It means to be glad, joyful, joy. But check this out. It means to spin around under any violent emotion. Can you imagine? Woo! That's what it means. It means to rejoice. To spin around under any violent emotion now notice the psalmist is david notice he doesn't write the lord reigns now grit your teeth and grudgingly submit he doesn't write that does he he doesn't write and it certainly doesn't say the lord reigns shake your fist at him and let him know how angry you you become because of your trials and yet as believers, church, listen, this is where many of us are in. And if you're being honest, you'll take a step back and go, well, if God is really good and God is reigning, why 
Why this? Why that? Why? What's going on? And yet the Lord says, I'm supposed to rejoice. Rejoice? What does that mean again? Well, I'm supposed to be glad. I'm supposed to be joyful. I'm supposed to spin around under what? Under any violent emotion. Woo! This is great. God is good. And this is what he's saying. No, here's what David writes. It's for my benefit and for yours. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. The Lord's sovereignty should cause all people to be glad. Now, if you're taking note, the message of the psalm is this. Jot this down. And you, I'm going to leave it up there for a minute so you can write it down. Because the Lord reigns over all, his saints, that's you, should rejoice. But sinners should fear. Why? Because his coming judgment. Leave that up for just a minute, Josh, so people can write that down. But that's the message of this psalm. So that's what we're going to spend our time um, going over. The Lord is, and the Lord is sovereign. He reigns over all, and we should rejoice. All right? So let's pick it up, guys. Um, The teaching for the night. God is on the throne. Let us rejoice. Picking it up in Psalm 97, verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad. Do you guys see that in verse 1? What does this say? Well, if you're taking note, first and foremost, I want you to notice that the psalmist starts off with what? With a declaration. A declaration. We're going to declare what? The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. In the midst of our lives today, in the midst of what's going on with the economy, in the midst of what's going on in our government, what's going on even in our own little circles with our family, God, the Lord still reigns. And we need to hold on tight to that because if we don't, we'll get discouraged. Listen to me. The enemy is going to do a fabulous job of robbing you of your joy. He will. And not only that, there are times when the enemy is not even involved and you allow that or whatever circumstances to rob you of that joy as well. Well, Pastor Ben, I'm going to put my hands on my hip and say, wait a minute, it's hard to be joyful all the time. It is hard to be happy all the time. It's hard to be going, woohoo. But in our heart of hearts, if we're walking close to the Lord Jesus, then we have the joy and the peace that we need. And the question to you and I tonight, is God God or not? Is God God or not? And you go, what do you mean? Well, here... The revelation of the Lord, as I was worshiping, I was listening, and it wasn't tonight, it was Friday night when I was at a men's group in Amarillo, I was watching, I was watching the words on the screen, and I was worshiping, and the Lord began to speak to me. And he reminded me, he said, God, listen, would, could we agree that God is powerful? Could we agree that he is God? But yeah, and and we sing that, right? Lord, take me, you know, deeper than I've ever been before. God, you are God, you are sovereign. You know what? I could sing of your love forever. Lord, this is great. But then God starts to knock on my heart. He starts to knock on my heart. And here's what he begins to tell me. He goes, there are a lot of people who look at me and 
they have no expectations of me. They don't expect anything. They don't expect good. They don't expect bad. They don't expect anything. They will pray to me, but they don't expect anything. And I said, why, Lord? He said, because they don't want to be disappointed. But when I bless them, then they get excited, but they still go back to what? Zero expectations. And I'm sitting there going, isn't that true? Don't we do that with people? Don't we do it? We have zero expectations with people. And so, so that we're not disappointed whether they show up or not. So we're not disappointed with whether they do. And when they do something good, you go, yes! But you don't hold them to a standard because, because they disappoint you all the time. And it's easier to get along with people when you have no expectations. Because then they're just people. The problem is, is we take that same philosophy and principle and apply it to God, and yet God isn't like us, is he? He isn't like us. He, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. And here the psalmist starts off with a declaration. Guys, listen, and this should be our declaration. The Lord reigns. You go, what does reign mean? It means to ascend to the throne. He's king. He's rule. This is what he is. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But this should be our heart. This should be our declaration. The Lord Jesus is king and he is sovereign. And we who love him should rejoice. We should rejoice. We should be glad. We should have joy. We should walk in the peace of knowing that God is in control of all things. Can I get an amen? You don't believe it. You don't believe it. See, the, the, the problem is, is that we go, amen, and we should, and I'm the same way. I'm right there with you. And we should. God's got it all under control. God's got it under control. But yet we, we do whatever we can to make it happen. It might be a job situation. It might be a job situation. And you go, Lord, I'm trusting you for a job, but I'm going to do all I can to make it happen. Do you, is God God or not? Oh. Oh. God is in control, and we who love him. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you to be reckless, okay? I'm not asking you to be reckless. You see, it was just the other day, um, it was just the other day, Nathalie and I were driving in. I, I picked her up from New Mexico, and we're driving in, and she looks at me, and she goes, uh, Honey, there's a storm coming, and we just crossed right into Texas. We're, we're, we're right at Muleshoe. And so I looked at her and said, well, how bad is it? And she goes, well, there's a lot of purple. It could be pretty bad. It's really bad. And I said, okay. Um, we have two choices. We can pull over in Muleshoe and wait it out, whatever, or we could outrun it. And I said, how far are we from Spur? And she goes, well, we're 15 miles. How far would it, and I said, well, that would take me, let's see, I can get to Spur in about 12 minutes. What time is this? And again, guess what we did? I don't want to tell you guys. Anyways, the point is, don't be reckless. You see, because we go, well, you know what? We tried to outrun the storm, and we, got, and we ended up, and, you know, and, and there we were, Twister, and the car was flying around, and that's, that's not the sovereignty of God. Well, God knew, so I don't understand. No, 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 don't be reckless. Do you understand my point? But understand that you and I, listen, if we love God, 
we should walk with joy. And we should walk in the peace of knowing that God is control of all things. Our problem is, you ready? That we live where man is free and Satan has influence. That's the problem. That's the problem. But remember, we are to look beyond the present and look to the eternal. We are to look beyond the present. Sometimes we have just a very present focus. What's going to happen now? And we're not thinking eternally. What does that mean to to think eternally? Well, to trust that God knows and he sees and he's walking with us unto our destiny. Unto our destiny. That's really what what this is all about. Now, let me give you a side note. Let me give you a side note. This is a battle every day to rejoice in a corrupted world. Amen? Isn't it, though? It's hard to rejoice when you wake up and watch the news first thing. It's hard to rejoice. It's hard to rejoice when you don't start your day with Jesus. It's hard. Right now, you guys are probably thinking of that one person that... Oh, I don't know, that watches the news all the time, and they're really negative about everything. And it's like, but that's not the Lord. See, David says, the Lord reigns supreme. And I heard it say this way, the world isn't falling apart, it's falling into place. God is in control. I don't, there are many people that think God is is, is freaking out right now. Like, he's like, I didn't realize this was going to happen. You know what? Hey, Gabriel, Michael, get over here. What's going on on earth? Don't you guys have... He's not. He's not pacing in his office. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. The United States, they were founded in... I don't know what to do. Look at Israel. I got to stop. He's got it all under control. He's got it all under control. That doesn't mean I like gas prices going up. You understand that. I don't, that, I'm not, well, God's in control. Might as well just, I get it. I get it. But, but God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. I mean, think of Psalm 97. You go, what do you mean, Ben? Well, it, it, it comes off the heels of Psalm 96, verse 10, where it says, tell all the nation the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all the peoples fairly. That's where it comes off. And then he says, let the multitudes of the isles be glad. Guys, if you have a pencil handy, go ahead and circle that. Because here's what it means. It means coastlands. Coastlands. Okay? So he's not just reigning in Jerusalem or he's not just reigning over Israel. Here's what he says. The Lord reigns from coast to coast. From coast to coast. The Bible says that, that, that the world is his footstool. He can, he can handle it. Can I let you in in a little secret? How many of us are God's counselors? What do you mean? Well, we see things and we think that God should be, what, doing it a little bit different. 
And so I'm one of God's counselors. Well, God, I'm in Lubbock, and since I'm here, maybe you should do this, and you should do this, and do that, and do that. And the Lord's really, I didn't ask you to be my counselor. And you laugh because a lot of us are God's counselors. We call it prayer, but we're really counseling God on what to do and what not to do. How much better? I think there'd be freedom in knowing that, hey, you know what? I trust you, God. I trust you. See, I trust you with the kids that he gave you. I trust you. Do you trust me? Yes, Lord, I trust you. It's hard, but I trust you. I trust you with where you're living today. I trust you in the house. I trust you in the neighborhood. I trust you with the job you do. you trust me? I trust you, Lord. Then rejoice. Because here's what's going to happen. Church, listen to me. Here's what happens. What happens is that people see our lives and they want to know why we're different. Why are we different? Why are we different? Listen, we live in a city where, where we're deemed conservative. And so it's, it's, this, is a, this is a beautiful city. I love this city. People are nice. They're wonderful. They're gracious. They've got a great heart. But in order to win people to Jesus, we have to be a little bit different. When is that? It's not being happy or rejoiceful when everything's going great, is it? But it's being happy and rejoiceful when things aren't. The Lord reigns. He reigns from coastland. And, and think about this. He's sovereign. But here's our problem. Our problem is, is, is it expectations? We go, Lord, I pray. I pray you do this, and I pray you do that, and I pray you do this. I don't think you will, but okay. Mike, you didn't. That's oh, okay. I'm not bummed because I didn't have any expectations. No, 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 that's not the right attitude because then my relationship is not about a God who's just sovereign and who's, who's powerful and who loves me very much. You see, I need to drop that and go, no, I know he can do it, but I know he's a lot wiser than me, he doesn't think like me, and so I'm going to trust his plan for my life. And I prayed for this specifically and it didn't happen, it's okay. You see a better way. You see a better way. When David writes, God reigns, let the earth rejoice, you and I go, amen. But not everybody sees it that way, do they? As a matter of fact, in the next few verses, the psalmist speaks about the enemies of God. Look at it. Look at verse 2. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteous and justice are the foundations of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. Now think about what he just said. This is nuts. Right? Because David writes this, he says, man, listen, it's, it's almost like he's thinking back to, uh, Mount Sinai, right? Where there's this appearance of God on Mount Sinai, which was marked by this thick cloud and the mountain of smoke in the furnace. And he says this, clouds and darkness surround him. This is God. I mean, this is, he, he, he reigns. We need to rejoice, but think about this. And he says, and, and not only that, he says a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies. What does it mean a fire goes before him? Well, this is a poetic description of some kind of phenomenon that happened at Mount Sinai. We can trace that back to Exodus chapter 19. This either remembers God, what, what God did then, 
or uses the same ideas to describe a future display of God's sovereign presence. This is what he's saying. The presence of the Lord of the whole earth when all the people see his glory. Let me just say this to you tonight. Listen to me. One day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. God is going to show himself faithful and strong. Right now people mock my God. People mock my Jesus. Oh, where's your God? What's he doing? But right now there's going to become a day And I want to bow the knee first and say, I know he's coming. I know he's strong. Look at what the psalmist writes. His lightnings light the world. We saw that coming that night too as we were trying to outrun the storm. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all his people see his glory. Notice what it says. The lightnings come from where? Come forth from God. They light up the whole world. And you know what the earth does? The earth sees and trembles. This reminds me of a storm. Dark clouds turning into lightning, storm sweeping across the land, destroying everything in its path. And that's what Nathalie and I were afraid of that night. And she actually got some pretty good pictures of the clouds and, and the hook and, and, and all of that stuff. But that's exactly what, what the psalmist is writing. This is a, a picture of God, here's what I want to paint, being exalted over all his enemies. The same people that we, are, we cry out to on Thursday night going, God, please do something. The enemies of you are trying to infiltrate our schools. There are two genders. There are two. He made them male and female. That's biblical. And yet the enemies are coming in going, no, 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 no. They're trying to take the truth out of school. They're trying to take the truth out of... And again, here's where we come to. And, And it's like we pray about that, but we need to realize that he is exalted over his enemies. Well, Ben, why hasn't he? Well, here's why. We haven't seen this because he's he's incredibly merciful. He's incredibly merciful. The reason, listen to me, the reason the Lord Jesus has not come for his church yet is because he's merciful. He wants to see every person saved. You've got to know that. Are you, listen to me, church, are you willing to live a little bit longer in a corrupt and awful and evil world so that we can see many come to know him? That, are we? Here's why. It's, it's going to show me your heart. Why? Because a lot of people go, I'm ready to go home. I'm tired of this God-forsaken world or whatever we want to call it. And yes, we're all ready to go home. We're homesick. But we'll put up with it just a little bit longer so that we can see a loved one saved. So that we can see, and, and, I, and I love this because I go back to what, what, what Natalie and I used to talk about when we planted this church. We wanted to see 
God's children walking victoriously in the world and not so defeated. And so we want to see, we want to teach the Bible so people, so the saints of God could walk victoriously. And so they're not swayed to and fro. They'd have the word of God. They'd have the foundation and they'd feel the joy of the Lord. And that would spill on over to other people. And so again, remember, remember, the Lord reigns, rejoice. How can I rejoice? Well, he has the footstool, the enemies. He reigns over them. He reigns over them. Many, the Bible says, will melt in fear. Notice me, verse 5 again. It says, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord and at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Listen, when God appears to fulfill the promises and execute this threatenings, all opposition vanishes before him and all difficulties disappear. Tonight, as we... As we we're going to take some time to pray for each other and to wait on the Lord here in a few minutes. We must think about exactly what's going on. We must think about the fact that the Lord is going to reign and rule and that he's going to execute all of this. And all the difficulties that we face today are going to disappear. So the question is to you and I, is God God or not? Is God God or not? I think about the day, and maybe you do too, I think about the day when the Lord will come back for us. You guys know the scenario. Some people call it the second coming based in two parts. He's not going to come to earth. We're going to go to him, and then, he, and then we'll be there for seven years, and he'll come back to earth. But nonetheless, I think about this. But it won't be very long after we're gone that people will know and see who the Lord is. It won't be very long to go, <gasps> Look at verse 7 through 9. The psalmist writes, Let all be put to shame who served what? Carved images, who boast of idols. Who worship him in all your gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, Lord, are most high above the earth. You are exalted above all gods. Now, the one thing we need to draw upon is verse 7. Why? Because there are two different words used for idols. Do you see this in verse 7? Look at it again. Let all be put to shame who served carved images. That's an idol or who boasts idols. What are they? Well, the first one is, 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 it's, um, Pecel, P-E-C-E-L. That's the word. And it means an idol. It means a carved image. The second one is E-L, E-L, E, um, E-L-E-E-L. And basically it means good for nothing, vain or vanity, idol of no value. So what's he saying? He's saying, let all be put to shame or disgraced who serve and worship idols. Now, let's chat for just a moment. In the ancient 
Near East, when a nation conquered another nation, people interpreted the victory to mean that the gods of the conquering nation were greater than the, those of the defeated nation. But the Jews were taught that Jehovah was God of all the earth and the idols were nothing. Now, let's fast forward to today. What would we consider an idol that we serve and worship? Now, remember, we've talked about this before. An idol is anything good that we make ultimate. We have to be careful. An idol is anything so central and so essential to your life that if you were to lose it, your life would hardly feel worth living. Isn't that deep? Isn't that deep? An idol has such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion and energy without a second thought. Let the impact of what the psalmist is saying penetrate our hearts. Our modern-day idols are anything that we serve and worship. Well, Pastor, I'm not so sure we should call it, we would call it worship. Well, let me say this. Think about this, okay? Put on your thinking caps. Is what you're constantly thinking about more important than God? You go, what does that mean? Is what you're thinking about absorb your heart and your imagination more than God does? And two, are you seeking satisfaction from it? If I can be straight and I can be honest, sometimes a spouse is an idol. It's an idol we placed in our heart. Now, a spouse is very, very, very good thing. But sometimes we make it. And when you start to seek satisfaction from a spouse, that's when you end up disappointed. Why? Because people make horrible gods, don't they? They can never satisfy only what God can do. And notice what the text says to us, guys. Worship him, all you gods. He says, we must repent and worship only the Lord. Only the Lord, guys. Now, the last three verses, we're going to talk about the Lord being exalted among his people. So as we talk about the last three verses, verses 10 through 12, Anthony, if you'll just kind of come up here and be ready, then we're going to dim the lights. But notice what it says in verse 10. You who love the Lord hate evil. Do you guys see what it says? He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the land of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks and remembrance of his holy name. Now, listen, 
Normally in a normal Bible study, we would dissect all of this, but I just want to pull this out for us because here's what I want you to see. This is so beautiful when walking through this world. How so? He says, those of you who love the Lord must hate evil. Must hate evil. Now, think about what he said. If you love the Lord Jesus, then you must hate sin. This is tough. Because we know that our sin put Jesus on the cross. And it's our job to love the Lord and to hate evil. How do we justify it? How do we justify our thoughts, our sins, our attitudes? Oh, God's, God's grace, he'll forgive me. But, but, but the psalmist said, you who love the Lord hate evil. Hate evil. Guys, he says to you and I, you love the Lord and he will preserve your souls. The psalmist described many ways that, that God blesses and protects his people. How so? He cares for their souls. He delivers them from the wicked. He sends light before their path and he gives gladness unto them. But preserves would be better rendered guards or watches over. Guards or watches over. I want to take some time and just wait upon the Lord tonight. Psalm 97 reminded me that the Lord reigns and that I should rejoice. That I should be glad, that I should have joy and peace. And what does that mean? That means sometimes we have to do work with God. We have to do work with God. And we come in here tonight and we, we're just going to spend some time doing that. But it's not just the pastor. It's you guys. You go, well, what, what, what should I do? Well, we're going to play a worship song and then we're going to be quiet. And, and maybe during this time, the Lord gives you a word of knowledge. Or he gives you a word of wisdom, or he just gives you a psalm or or a scripture verse that's been that's been penetrating your heart, and somebody goes, Oh, I needed that. And then we'll worship him again. And then we'll be quiet. Maybe some of you just need to pray, and it's okay to pray out loud in the presence of his people. That's what an afterglow it is, to bask in how beautiful God is. Let's go back to Psalm 97, verse 1. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. That's us. Let the earth rejoice. Here's what happens, church. Listen to me. We get uncomfortable when we have to be quiet. It's weird. But sometimes being quiet is the best way to hear the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to pray. 
I want you to pray. Keep your Bibles open. Maybe God will give you a verse. Maybe whatever it might be. He might give you a word of knowledge. He might give you something to to speak on. You might just need prayer. Heavenly Father, we desperately are wanting to hear from you tonight. Father, in my spirit, I'm feeling like there are many who just need to hear your voice. You sort of just need to climb, climb up on your lap and, and, and Lord, just remind them that you're dad, that you're Abba. Lord, tonight, we want to wait upon the Holy Spirit to move. Lord, we're not afraid of the gifts. We're not afraid of speaking in tongues or the interpretation or the gift of wisdom or or a gift of knowledge or a psalm or or a song. We want to be sensitive to you. I know, Lord, that this is new for Calvary Chapel. I know it's new for... Lord, what you have for us. But if we'll be patient and we'll trust you and we'll trust your sovereignty, Lord, you're always working. And so, Lord, if there's anyone here that just needs to confess whatever they're going through to you, maybe they're just just struggling in their walks with you right now. Maybe they feel like you've disappointed them in the past and they haven't got past that, Lord. Maybe they're worried about a circumstance in their life and they don't know how it's going to turn out. Lord, as we worship you, I pray you speak to us. We're going to do a song, and then we're going to sit quiet before the Lord. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.